We are here with Mr. Nate Middleton. And Nate, we're talking today about the topic of spiritual discipline. So just a million dollar question. What is spiritual discipline to you? First thing that comes to mind, though, is just how much I fail at it. But um, it is being aware and in tune with the Holy Spirit. Uh, discernment plays a key in it, um, you know, or here's where my brain goes, or, or things being caused by the devil or by my own thoughts in my brain. Okay. You know, and being able to discern that. And being able to catch yourself pretty quick and go, okay, something, I feel something, let's stop and pray. That's discipline. You know, it's, I don't even say it's, you know, waking up in the morning and reading and having your routine that you have, because those are good things, but it becomes a routine. Right. Um, And that's a good routine, but I think all of us have been there where we've read the Bible every morning for a month and couldn't remember or retain or it didn't you know we weren't actually focused in on what we were doing it was a routine where discipline is and like we've talked about this before i think where okay i'm reading you know what it's really not coming to me it's okay to close it and set it aside go okay okay lord i'm not where i need to be right now so help me get there or let me step away and then come back to it so with you being a football coach, you see discipline, you dole out discipline, you, you're around it all day, every day, especially with students, um, but then also the, the players that you have on the football team. Can you talk a little bit about the, the discipline that you see from them, that, that you make them do and the results that they get? And I'm talking about not in a spiritual sense, but just in a, a physical sense. And how does that translate spiritually doing things when you know it's the right thing to do or when you know you need to do it when you really don't feel like it or you're not in the mood for it um, but you know that you need to do it because the end game the big picture the long run this thing has to take place now um, and so you make because you know after playing high school and college ball and, and already being there and coaching for 13 years now, I think, going into my 14th. Um, you know a lot of what doesn't work. And you know what also does work. And so you make these kids do the things that you know it's necessary to get them more conditioned, to get stronger. Um, you know, I coach wide receivers and technique. You know, you start slow and, you know, with them you teach one thing, you know, because they can't handle all the information at one time. Wow, that's just like that's the Bible, huh? <laughs> um, but you give them these these pieces, and as they grasp it, you give them more. Um, like the body, I mean, I, I work out. I, I love being in the weight room in the off season with with our athletes, and I'm actually training somebody on the side right now. And to see the growth and development just in a month's time by giving just a little bit of information each time and being able to expand. And then also seeing that some kids can handle things that others can't. Where I have, you know, one receiver, he can handle a good a bit, good bit of information. He understands football. I have two like that. They understand football. They understand what's going on. Um, so you can kind of throw a lot out there and almost sees what, see what sticks, you know, right. and then you can bring it back. But um, I would still go back to just, 
you know, when you get ready for football season, it's a – I don't like the word grind. I think it's overused. But it can become a grind and it becomes tough because it's long. You know, it's 10 weeks plus, you know, the preseason, which is about a month, about four weeks. becomes long, and you, but you get into a routine. But it's January through July where day by day, slowly, you have to get yourself strong and conditioned uh, for those things. You have to take care of your body, you have to, and you have setbacks. You have injuries. You don't eat right. You don't sleep enough. There's all these setbacks. Um but I guess going back to the discipline part of it is you know it's necessary. You know that it takes hard work. Um, so you do those things to get yourself ready for the season. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm already having these these thoughts, you know, where we're going with this conversation. Right. You know, um, you know you're getting ready for the season that you're about to enter. Um, and then football, there's – you know that you're going to – in high school, you're going to play every Friday night. You know, you're guaranteed 10 weeks, you know. Um, but I've even seen in my case, you know, not to get into other things, but where 10 weeks aren't guaranteed, uh, where death happens and things happen, where as an athlete you don't get that. Uh, but you are guaranteed on paper 10 weeks and that's it. Um, but throughout those 10 weeks, there's a lot that goes on. There's all kinds of factors of, you know, somebody gets hurt, next guy in. Um and just all there's all kinds of issues that happen in a ten week season, um, especially when you're coaching high school kids, you know. But then that's why I kind of started laughing a minute ago. But you still kind of know what you're getting into. You don't know if you're going to win or lose, but you know, for the most part, you have ten weeks. You know, I, I started talking about seasons, but seasons of life, <laughs> you don't really know what's coming. Yeah. You know, but to be disciplined and to take care of yourself, take care of your body, and football. Do what you can do and control what you can control um, to be ready for what possibly may come. Right. Now, you talked about your role as the coach and being the one to help um, train up these these wide receivers and these other players to help kind of create that atmosphere of discipline. Kind of jumping over to the spiritual side of things, is that same method effective uh, in your experience in, in a spiritual sense? Yes. Um, have, having that cheerleader type of person. Yeah. I mean, you got to have people around you that are, that are feeding into you, that are making you do, um, that are holding you accountable. But I say making you do what you don't want to do sometimes. Um, and having people that are there for you, that are pushing you in the right direction because – Either they've been in that season of life already or they're just wise and mature enough to know something's coming down the pipe at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, you may not feel like reading your Bible. You may not feel like praying, but you also know that it's necessary. It's necessary to pour into the relationship. It's necessary to, you know, how do I grow closer to God? Well, he's given me his word. He's got text for me to read. You know, he's given us prayer and has shown us repeatedly how to do it and it's not what a lot of us thought it was and i just i love prayer i think it's just it's it's amazing but it's how we talk and communicate with our father because of the relationship if we don't read if we don't talk to him it's like any relationship that we've ever been in if there's if it's not being nurtured and watered and cultivated 
is just going to stay stagnant and eventually die off. Now, God's always going to be there. It's us that pull away and, you know, don't do that. But, you know, having those people, you know, a coach, a mentor, you know, somebody discipling you, kind of not making you do it, but holding you accountable and encouraging you. Because we all know at this point, you know, in our spiritual lives, nobody can make us can make us do it. Um, we have to choose for ourselves. But it's a whole lot easier when you know you have there's people. Um, in our case, I would say you know men of the faith that are holding us accountable. And we know that. I mean, it will probably get in this minute, but just the struggles I've had the last couple of months and just kind of felt distant and running. But knowing deep down that I had close, good men that were that whenever I was ready to say, okay, I got I got some issues that we're going to be there. We're going to scold me, but we're going to be encouraging. We're going to have my back. Right. You know, and I think that's what I try to, as a coach, you know, and a lot of, you know, I remember being 18 and, you know, because I said, you know, hearing a coach because I said so or just, you know, they'd already been there. They knew what was going to happen or not happen if I, you know, didn't do the necessary things, you know. So now it's I try to encourage. But I look back and I'm like, gosh, that coach had my back. You know, like he was really there for me, you know, as a player. And I look back, and I'm 36, I look back to being that age and going, okay, like, that coach was a real man. You know, he did the necessary things. As I coach, I'm like, I don't always want to be up there. I get tired of being around 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, you know, as they wear on you because they don't do what you're, you know, because you know you could just make them do it. But they sometimes choose a different path or they don't want to work hard that day. And you know what happens from that. So having men, you know, of, you know, here at our church, there's, you know, from 70 down to 30 something, you know, just that have been through stages of life that are encouraging, that hold us accountable and encourage us and love us, you know, and don't judge when we jump ship. <laughs> right. You know, but are there waiting on us when we're ready to come back. So when we talk about stumbling, because I, I think that's something that each and every one of us do probably more often than, than we would like to admit, mm-hmm. take us through kind of a, a, a process of what that looks like just from your perspective of identifying that there is an issue and then, you know, swallowing your pride, you know, that kind of thing. What, what does that look like for, for you? Okay, let me see if I can do this without rambling. Um, but if this ever does make it out, people listen. I want them to understand. Like here, I'm an Enneagram Six. I'm a loyalist, and I say that because I've learned how my brain works and how I'm wired. I'm still learning. Um, I'm a worst case scenario thinker. Um, when I walk into a room or a situation, I'm looking for several ways to get out. I'm looking for, you know, or. If I get a phone call or something or a text, hey, we need to talk. Well, I'm going. My brain's going to three different places of the worst possible thing that could that it could be about. And I play scenarios out of my head. I romanticize things. So before we get into the answer, um, this is how my brain. I'm not a black and white. This is wrong. That's right. I kind of am, but there's just <laughs> I overthink things. Um, so walking through that, um. For me, it's sometimes I don't even realize that I'm doing it, that I'm running, that I, I realize that I've stumbled. If it's just, 
I don't say a basic stone bowl, but it's bounced back pretty pretty easily, pretty well. Okay, you know what? I screwed up right here. Um, I used to beat myself up real bad over it. Um, I've learned to, you know what? I made a mistake. I made a bad choice. I know what it was. I know that God forgives me. Um, let's repent. Let's move on. Let's change the behavior. Excuse me. Um, and then go on. Um, but sometimes what happens is those things slowly and spread out, but they happen more and more. Um, and that I've noticed the, the, the latest and the last for me was when, you know, made a not so wise decision and Russell like, and it didn't really bother me. That for me is when I went, oh no. I should be feeling guilty. I should be feeling a certain way about this because in my past, in my history, that gut feeling, you know, like you know, it's the Holy Spirit saying, oh, "You screwed up," mm-hmm. you know. When I kind of became numb, or was becoming numb to that, that's when the Spirit grabbed me in a different way. Said, eh, "Like something's off," you know. This should be bothering this this behavior should be bothering me and it's not you know I'm like ooh you know and then sure enough I had a conversation with you later that day mm-hmm. and then with Jesse you know and then Dylan popped in on this um, so stumbling blocks you know can be very minor but if you don't stay in the word and in communion with the Father and asking the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide um, those things can catch up pretty quick um, even though they're kind of they're drawn out um, over the course of a couple of months maybe it's a year I don't know you know but slowly and surely but that's how that's how the evil one works you know most things don't just slap dab happen right then and there it's a build up you know and then I fight though well I'm not worthy enough to take it to the father or I did it again same stinking thing Repent means to change, and I haven't changed. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy enough to go to him. Have you gotten over that way of thinking that I am not worthy? I will in, say in, in, in your walk. Yeah. I mean, with being trained by a denomination that that drills that into your yeah. head. I'm not over it. I catch it sooner than I used to, and I've gotten better about saying nope. That's not how grace works. That's not how mercy works. Lord, here's how I'm feeling about it. I don't feel worthy enough to come to you. I know that's not the truth. Help me. Do I still battle it? Yeah. Am I over it? No. But that's something that's been, I guess, about a three-year you know, process. Um, and you kind of think, oh, three years, that's a long time. And it is. But you're also undoing 30 years of thinking you know and and um 30 you know maybe not quite that much but you know almost you know it's getting close you know where it's yeah that's tough that's that's tough but I also know myself enough to know that that's how he comes at me sometimes and that's also how my own brain goes against my own thoughts go against me um is again worst case scenario thinker you know will I get over it yes will I get over that way of thinking yes when 
probably not as soon as I would like. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and some people are different. Some people can. Mm-hmm. It's a process. They, you know, their process is six months a year. I like to wrestle and fight with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and Jacob. Huh? Uh, yeah, I don't really like it, but um, also. <laughs> I grow a lot during that too, though. Not suggesting people should do that, um, but he allows it, you know, and he allows growth in that. So, so if somebody is is listening or, or watching this, they are struggling with that that grace concept, but also <laughs> the the spiritual discipline. If somebody is is struggling with that right now, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? I would say stop, go get in a room by yourself, and just sit there. And if you're like me, you don't like being alone in your own thoughts. But just go sit still and just tell the Lord, here's how I'm feeling, I'm struggling with this, and then just sit. And don't do like I do and keep, sometimes we we talk too much tell them how we feel but then our brain kind of keeps going and we don't sit still and listen but I would say go sit in the room by yourself if you need to turn a little worship music on you know low um, and just sit you know maybe write a little bit but just sit still and just ask him to come into the room and see what happens from there if 10 minutes is still happening don't get up wait now if, it's, if it takes a little while and he hadn't yet okay maybe he's making you wait on something you know so I would say get up say okay it wasn't today I'll come back later you know then do it again <laughs> but I would say just go get still go get still and see what he has for you and see it you know ask spirit okay lead me okay maybe you do have your bible with you Maybe you do have a pen and paper. All right, Spirit, it's on you now. <laughs> That's been a common one for me. God, I'm done. I can't. It's on you. And it always is. But I think it's important to verbalize and tell him, okay, like, I'm on the same page as you. It's on you because I've tried and I can't do this. I've tried to fix this situation. I've tried to be disciplined. And I, I, I've tried and I can't. So it's on you. What kind of results have you seen from that in your, in your own life? Not not getting into specifics, but right. but when you do take your own advice, which is what you just <sighs> talked about, talk to me about that process of kind of getting back into the the good spiritual discipline, and you know, kind of getting back in, for lack of a better term, God's good graces, intimacy, and vulnerability. Which that could probably that could be a podcast in itself, even just from the world's view, you know, vulnerability and, and intimacy. But true intimacy with the Father, where it's just you and him. And nothing in this world beats that. There's nothing like being in the room where it's just you. And maybe somebody maybe look, it's happened to me in therapy several times where yeah, my therapist is in the room, but he's not. Or he's a vessel, you know, where it's just been me and Jesus or me and the Lord, you know, which obviously three and one, you know, but a true level of intimacy 
that he longs for and that he wants to share with us. He wants to be intimate with us. We're the ones who get in the way of that. And sometimes we just don't understand what it is. We could blame it on a lot of things. We could blame it on our culture. We could blame it on the American church. And, and there's blame that falls on several areas. But at a certain point, you're a grown-up, it's time to open your, it's time to do it. It's time to open up the Word and get in it on your own and quit blaming everything else. Now, once you identify some problems, yeah, then you can work through things, but we got to quit. we got to hold people accountable, and there are some things that need to change, but same time, like, we're an adult. It's time to be an adult and open up the Word. Okay, Lord, here's what I was taught. Show me. Is this truth? Is it not? Show me how to be intimate with you. Teach me how to be intimate with you. Teach me how to love like you love. <laughs> That's hard. That's really hard. Show me how to see people like you see them. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's been a prayer I've had for three years, and that is hard. Yeah. I didn't realize how judgmental I was until I started asking that. You know, and show me how to love like you love. Show me how to be radical like you are. Jesus, he didn't go out of his way to make people mad, but he called people out on things, you know, and he didn't fit in. I won't say he was loved by everybody. I mean, it's pretty obvious in Scripture he wasn't, not by his own people. And I think I'm kind of going off on a soapbox now, but we get into, you know, one of the main problems, at least in America, is, you know, the feel-good stuff. I have initially just prosperity gospel, but just a lot of feel-good. We want, yeah, we, look, we all want numbers, and we want people in the church hearing the word. Yes, like, I think we all want that because we want to give people a chance to hear the gospel and to accept the gospel. But the gospel is offensive, and Jesus was offensive, but he loved and I think people think it has to be one or the other. It's either loving or offensive. People mistake love for acceptance. Acceptance of sin. Jesus accepted people for, and met them where they were, where they are, and loves them no matter what. But he also calls sin, sin. You can do both. It doesn't have to be separate. You know, I saw... You know, one of the main slogans you see around now is love is love. You know, just makes me just, I cringe at it. As my seven-year-old said the other day, Dad, that was cringe. <laughs> you know, but I saw somebody had a shirt on and it said, uh, it said love equals love, but the equal sign was, had a line through it. And then underneath it, it said God equals love. And that's what it is. I mean, God is... God is love. Jesus is love. But sometimes it's like sometimes how our parents raised us, you know, there's hard love. <laughs> tough love. Yeah, tough love. Yeah, I couldn't think of the – my mind went blank on that one. But. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I kind of went off on a yeah. – uh, That's all right. On that one a little bit. So That's what last, this is for, though, huh? Yeah. La- last question I have about uh, spiritual discipline. How important is it to be the – spiritual coach to another person and we call that discipleship 
you know, you talked about being that encourager. How important is that to be that for another person? It doesn't have to be somebody who is necessarily a, a newer believer than you or someone who is younger in their <laughs> their walk. But w- what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Gosh, I wish Dylan was here for this one. This is a conversation we've had years ago and where the church has failed in this aspect. How is it important? You want to grow? you got to be around people who are more wise than you, who are smarter than you, who have lived some life. Yeah, I think you, you can... And that doesn't mean initially age. Um, there's some people in their 40s that have lived a lot of life. You know? Um, there are people in their 70s that have maybe not lived as much life, you know? Um, we, we know people here that, I mean... There's a couple here. Their story's amazing, you know, and they lived a lot of life, and they're not much older than I am, you know. Um, but having that spiritual, that that disciple, you know, discipleship. Well, first off, I mean, we're we're called to do that. I mean, it's in the word that that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but that's how we teach. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. Um, every single aspect of, of life and to get look my dad's one of the best men I know um, he's an intelligent man he's a very straightforward man I mean you know that by now and I've watched him and my mom since I was freshman in high school which would have been 2001 2002 just the growth that they've had over the last you know 25 years no, 20 years whatever it is it's just been amazing but even in that I know what his spiritual gifts are there are other people that have other spiritual gifts that need that I need to feed into me um, so as wise as he is and as good as a man as he is as godly as he is it's great I need that I still need it from somebody else too I need a prayer warrior in my in my corner I need um, somebody who can really discern in my corner um, why because I'm still figuring some of these things out what are you know is, is speaking my only gift is there more I don't know you know but also you learn okay when like when J.E. Watkins was disciple and mentoring me you know they're prayer warriors and very very wise um a lot of the a lot of the word, a lot of the scripture, and open my eyes up to things that my dad hadn't. That's not a, a knock on him, but that's the great thing. But then I'd go to dad, like, hey, we talked about this, and we went up. He was like, oh, okay. Then he would dig into it and learn. But it's it's almost like it's the lifeline of of our walk and our faith is to have a a disciple. Or somebody to disciple us to what was the word you said spiritual um like a spiritual cheerleader yeah, cheerleader you know like you know because to celebrate the successes to to be there with me and the losses you know to help pick me back up you know and then, you know i learned and i always bring up jay and marion because i just i was hungry i was really hungry and the lord provided that 
and I was spiritually fed a whole lot of information in a short amount of time, and it's like I absorbed it all. Um, but it has helped me not only grow as as a you know grow in my faith, but then to look at somebody else and go, okay, like a buddy comes to me, hey, I've got this going on. Now I know how to somewhat how to help. Where beforehand I couldn't have done it, or I wouldn't have had the capacity to do it. Um, but to be able to pour into another friend's life, going through a struggle, had I not not had I not just gone through my walk, my season I was in, had I not had that spiritual cheerleader and driver to show me how to do that. So I mean, this things when you when you when when the when you feed into somebody spiritually. You're not only giving them what they need, you're giving somebody else what they need because that person now has the capacity and is able to be used and be ready when that happens. You know, <laughs> not to use a triangle, you know, back in the 90s and whatever, the triangle uh, selling system. You know, you get two people, then you get two people. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, multi-level marketing. Yeah, multi-level yeah. marketing. But it's kind of that way. Like, that's our job. Like, you know, fed into me. Now it's my job. It's my calling. And whenever that comes and however it happens to now feed into another so that they can. I mean, it's kind of how it works. But um, I can't stress enough how important it is to have that. Um, Because life sucks. And it's hard. And I don't care how spiritually sound and strong you are. It sucks and it's hard. Look, I, you know, my, my, my dad, I go back to my dad. He's one of the, he's the most godly men that I know. But to have to watch their sons go through some of the things they have and even their daughters, like, I, look, I got two kids. And I know life's not going to be just so easy peasy and, and rainbows and unicorns for them. And it's going to suck to have to watch them go through something that I can't fix. You know, so to say, you know, like I said, my dad's one of the most godly men I know, and my mom, and what they had to watch me endure and couldn't fix. I know that they were on their knee. They had to pray for not just me and my kids, but for guidance and how to handle the situation and guidance and is was there something they could do? What to pray for? Like, I mean, that. So no matter how strong, how how spiritually wise you are, life is going to come at you and it's going to suck. You know, so to have those people, you know, I know I know Garth, you know, was one of those for my dad. You know, we're, we're good friends. It's somebody that, you know, is there. So I'm sure that they <laughs> leaned on them a little bit. You know, I know dad and mom, they leaned on things from their past that they were taught and had spiritual cheerleaders. They leaned on that information you know, that love to help, you know, with me, you know, and not just me, but other situations, you know. So, you know, to and like what I went through and then to watch two of my best friends go through it on opposite ends, but just to see like it's it sucks. You know, but now I'm now I'm the Lord said, Okay, like you went through this and I'll you know, this all happened. Now you're ready to help and be there. You can, this maybe wasn't the will, 
you know, it wasn't my will for you to get divorced, but you are. And there's some things that happen. But now I can use you in these two men's lives to be there, to help, and just be there. Maybe not give great advice, but just be there and walk with them through it. You know, some of the best advice ever. I say advice. It wasn't even advice at the time. It was somebody who was mentoring me a little bit, you know, was just walking with me through the season that I was in. And I was just griping and complaining. I was just down in the dumps. And he just looked at me and said, man, this just sucks. It turned out to be some of the best advice I've ever heard. Because then when it was flipped and it was my turn to listen to somebody, no words were going to fix what they were in. Right. But to say, man, I, I'm sorry. This this just really sucks for you, and I'm sorry that it's happening. You know what can I what can I do? That was some of the best advice. You know when it happened I, that that Sunday morning a few weeks ago when I grabbed you after it, Tom did it. He walked by me in the back. He said, "You doing all right?" And I said, "Yeah." No, I don't know. And this this is wisdom. In love, and Tom just looked at me and said, "And that's okay," and he walked off. So he didn't. That was the most help. That right there is what initially, finally, that was the last straw that triggered. That triggered it right there, and that's when I found you and Jesse. After, but it was just that. Who somebody wouldn't think that was advice. That was the best thing that he could have said to me. Yeah. In that moment, because had he said. You want to talk about it? Had he said, it will get better, I'll pray for you, I didn't want to hear any of that. That would have probably made me push back and say, no, because I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I know how I'm supposed to be thinking, but I'm not thinking that way, and I don't want to think that way, and I'm kind of done with it right now. Mm -hmm. That, the Holy Spirit used that right there. Say, it's time. It's time to quit running. Just a simple thing. (laughs) He just said, and that's okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com. And you can search for us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.